Welcome to another episode of Money You Should Ask. I'm your host, Bob Wheeler, and in this episode, we're going to explore, question, examine, converse, dig deep, expose, laugh, and cry about the money beliefs, money blocks, and life challenges of our next guest. Turn up the volume, listen, learn, and laugh. I'd like to thank our sponsor, The Money Nerve, a financial resource that helps you have a healthier relationship with money. Do you feel shame around your past financial decisions? Do you feel alone in your financial struggles? Do you self-sabotage your potential financial successes? Do you keep making the same choices, expecting different results? The Money Nerve has just launched a new online course called The Course to Financial Freedom. To learn more, go to themoneynerve.com forward slash course. The Money Nerve has an offer to all Money You Should Ask listeners for a 25% discount on the course. Use code capital M, capital Y, capital S, capital A, 25, and start your course to financial freedom now. Thanks again to our sponsor, The Money Nerve. Today's guest is actually, it's one of those hybrids, which I love, because I'm a hybrid. Uh, He's an actor, voiceover artist, and also has his own company, um, uh, installing and selling water systems, which is actually also very interesting. Uh, He's been on Mad Men. He's done voiceover for Lexus, O.J. Simpson's story. Um, It was in a, I like, yeah. Hot in Cleveland. Yes. Hot in Cleveland. That's right. um, please give it up for Roger Rignac. Thank you. Who I'm happy to have you here. Uh, now, Thank I you. believe we met years and years and years ago doing stand-up comedy. We go way back. Yeah, because I did stand-up at the comedy store. When I was seven. Just <laughs> two. Yeah, yeah. That was three. Whatever. There we go. Uh, um, and um, you were downtown. You oh my down, gosh! You were on First Street. I'm yeah, I was say. down on First Street. First Street. Yeah. So that was. I remember it was like some. Yeah. I had a loft, loft in the Arts yeah. District. Yeah. In fact, it was through Comedy Store. They said, "Well, and I was. I had. I had a guy that used to do my accounting in New York. I had moved out here from New York, and then I was looking for a tax guy, and and I was at the Comedy Store, and I said, "Well." How about the guy that does taxes for the comedy store? I'm like, good enough for me. <laughs> that works. <laughs> and it's been a joke ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and I've owed money ever since. No, there you no. go. Exactly. <laughs> no, we we, we try. It's we been try. Great. It's been great. You've been amazing. Well, one of the things. That, so one of the things that I find interesting with your story, um, or at least the way I make your story, is um, that you know you've you've sort of done everything. You've you've fueled your passion for acting. And voiceover and, and always being creative. I think at one point you were recording um, voiceover stuff. You had created a little studio in your closet. And you were I was doing, doing audiobooks, too. You were doing audiobooks. Yeah. And you were mm-hmm. always looking for ways to, how do I keep doing what I love yeah. and then still find ways to bring in money when doing what we love doesn't pay so much. Right. And, and so, like, tell me about how that, like, the journey into acting and then learning how to find that balance. Well, acting for me started when I was really young. It was New York, you know, I was like as a kid, I was used to pretend I was stuck in quicksand for the family because I saw it in a movie once. And they said, oh, look at Roger. He looks like he's stuck in mud. And I would try to get out of the, it was a, my, my parents' home. And then I would do a lot of imitations. I did, you know, growing up, I did Nixon. And I thought I was a little rich, rich little. And then it just... I went to high school performing arts in New York. We shot Fame. I was in that film when I was a uh, senior year in my in Oh, my high God. School. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I went to Emerson in Boston and did a lot of the, like, 17 shows in four years. 
and had always just loved it. And then moved back to New York. I drove a limousine at night so I could be free again, seeing a lot of New York City at night, driving a limo, and then keeping my days free for auditions. If I booked a gig, I could leave. It's always been my whole life, even to this day, has been like work, passion, work, passion. But there's no feeling I have like being on a set and working with other being creative and working on a film or on a TV show, it's like, wow, this is what I want to do. This is where I belong. Even though I love Life Source, it's been... A, a Life been, Source? I, it's been a Life Source. It's been, yeah, because I've been up and down, and right before Life Source, it was like not pretty. So, yeah. But this has been, you know, a blessing. So I, I'm very grateful. So No, that's cool. I Well, I did have the thought of when you said you, uh, you, know, you were stuck in quickstand with your... Quicksand with your family. I was thinking that was the story. I was thinking that was the story of my life. That's probably why everything's ever nothing ever took off. Yeah. But uh, that's another story. Yeah. But um, so I'm glad you 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 made it away from. Yeah, yeah. I got. I finally got out of that got quicksand. Out of the quicksand. I broke free and onto bigger things. Yeah. But um, so you worked on um, Hot in Cleveland, which is um, Betty White. Yes. So like that has to be awesome. Oh no, it was phenomenal. It was like I worked like a whole week on that show. With like Valerie Bertinelli and um, oh god, the British lady from uh, Frasier. Um, oh, she, uh, out, yeah, I know. Uh, he, uh, several her. people. <laughs> her, <laughs> uh, that, um, Betty White. I mean, um, oh, the other one from the the radio show. Anyway, there was a lot of it was a very, lot of famous people that lot you of might famous not know people their name. that I don't know the name of. Yeah, yeah, I'm really good at this. Um, and it was like sitting and we would do, it was rehearsing the whole week. It was just it was kind of one of those surreal moments. And it was like a, a sitcom in front of a au- live audience. So it was right. like a play. And I, I grew up in the theater and I was doing a, basically a play in, the, in front. But Betty White is just a, a, a thrill to work with. I mean, she had been, you know, she's basically an icon. And, and, and uh, Valerie Bertinelli, first thing I asked her is like, um, I, I had seen... One day at a time, taped years ago, when, back in '84, and I came out to California for the first time. And I remember sitting next to my my, my closest friend. We we drove out here, and uh, they go they, the cast comes out and they go, "Does anybody have any questions for the cast?" And he's like, "You're the actor. Go ahead, act." I'm like, "I don't want to." And he raises my hand. And I go, "Oh, sh- now I got a reason." And she goes, "Yes, sir. What's your question?" I go, "My question's for Valerie Bertinelli," and I didn't know what to say. And I go. Um, is Eddie Van Halen here? And the whole audience is like, that's the best you could do? Oh that's your question? And she goes, well, he dropped me off. I suppose he's going to pick me up. And, and my friend's like, dude, she's talking to you. I'm like, oh, really? Hey. Did you have to make me do that? So years later, I'm working with her. Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, should I bring that up? I go, nah. But she was really sweet. Betty White was the So you didn't bring it up? I didn't bring it up. Oh, man. <laughs> I should have. I should have. I thought about it, and I thought, because I remember her reaction was not, she wasn't exactly. very. <laughs> now, is she still with Eddie Van Halen? No, apparently not. So he not. wasn't going to drop her off? For she wasn't. <laughs> I guess she dropped her off, and at this point, yeah, he's never going to pick back. her up. He didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's on her own now. She's got an Uber. Oh, man. That's funny. So were, you, were your parents supportive? So obviously, you went to high school performing of arts, so your parents had to be somewhat supportive. Very supportive. And they were not, like, nobody in my family is in the arts at all. Or okay. entertainment. I was, like, the pioneer out of my family. We have, like, 
workers and business people and uh-huh. lawyers and things like that, but no, nobody in the arts. My parents were always, they were, they were, God rest their soul, they're both up in heaven, but they were always, they went to every play if they could. They went to right. every screening. They drove up. We flew up to the Montreal Film Festival for a film Sweet. I did, Friends and Enemies, that I thought was going to be the big thing. It was with Dean Stockwell. I had the lead. There were so many close times where I thought, this is this, the one. This is it. This is going to break me through. And it's like, oh, so close. But Most of them just broke me. But that's, yeah, said, yeah. yeah, almost. Yeah, exactly. But they were, yeah, absolutely. They never, never unwavering, just unconditional support. That, well, it's, you know, I was, it's, I, words are so important. I love that you said that you were a pioneer. Uh, right in my family, I think we use black sheep. Um, so <laughs> I like. It's kind of how you look at it. It's, it's all relative. Sort of, I love. I love that you put a positive spin on somebody going into the, the creative arts. Yeah. Um, but like, um, and did and did you? You know, I know you. You know, you've got a kid. Um, yeah. Does your wife currently support? Like, hey, that's Absolutely. great. Do that, or just make money selling. Absolutely. Do and there was a period of time, uh, let's say back in oh five, oh eight, somewhere in there. Where I kind of left acting for a little while. I was at CBS Radio. I kind of was going through the ranks. I was the re- like the the retail sales manager, overseeing seven radio stations. Again, kind of related to my business. I right. would do voiceovers on the air, and then I wanted to get back into it. It was not, you know, when you when it's inside you, especially from youth, it's not something that leaves you. And I was like, I was there was a pit in my stomach. I said, I'm not completely satisfied uh and she's like you should go back she was the first one that said you should go back i called my old commercial agent i go i know it's been years they're like come in let's talk and then it started again and then i was back on that train and i go thank god my son yeah my son has been uh he's at usc so that's partly why i have to have a job oh there you go because that ain't cheap (laughs) yeah (laughs) so he's finishing up his junior year but he's been like he'll he'll razz me yeah. He'll razz me. He's like, he saw me on Dexter, and I was on, I was in a strip club. He's like, that must have been hard, you know. Just, <laughs> you know, a bunch of naked women are dancing around right. me, and I'm in a strip club, and you know, my wife didn't like that all too much. But anyway, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he'll razz me, and he'll, but to me, he'll kind of like, you know, as a son would, he kind of gives me a little, little shit about it. But then. He'll show his friends. He's like, here's my dad. Look at my dad. He was on this show or that show, and that's my dad. So outside, like away from me, he it's talks cool. about, you know, it's like I have to hear from others. Like, oh, yeah. my dad's like, yeah, check this out. He was on this network or that or film. But to me, he's like, oh, what, do you play a mobster again? <laughs> big stretch, big stretch. Yeah, oh, oh big deal. What, do you, you kill somebody? <laughs> and you, know. you also, if I remember, um, bilingual? I am fluent in Spanish. My parents were Cuban. Okay. They were both from Cuba, but they met in New York. That's where I was born. Does that also make you Cuban, or are you just uh, yeah. still Anglo? <laughs> uh, <laughs> it depends. Whatever yeah. serves me. <laughs> whatever. If somebody says, are you Hispanic? I'm like, yeah, sure. Of I'm course. Cuban. Are you Anglo? Yeah, I'm Absolutely. like, whatever you want me to be. I can be it. If this, makes me, if this gets me the role or the sale, I'm whatever you want me to be. <laughs> wow, so, you're, so, you, so your parents were Cuban. And Cuban. were they immigrants? Yeah, the, my dad was born in this little town called Oriente. My, fa- my mom from La Habana, Havana. Um, lineage is Greek, Italian, uh, French, kind of Mediterranean, mm-hmm. uh, Turkish. Um, so I've got a lot of that lineage in that Mediterranean world, but mostly Cuban. You know, Cuban, wow. You know, I'm kind of a mutt. 
There you go. But I would imagine being bilingual opens a few extra doors. No question about it. I've performed in Spanish. I've done voiceovers in Spanish. And now, and also in, at LifeSource, because, I mean, we live in Los Angeles, a lot of times the Spanish-speaking customers or the leads that come in will come to me. Wow. Because I can speak Spanish. I even get them outside of the state. So we have offices like Texas and Florida, and people with a lot of, you know, Hispanic neighborhoods, and they, they, they farm them out to me, and then I'll help translate and kind of sell the system from afar. So, yeah, it's been... Being from New York and living in Los Angeles, knowing Spanish has been incredibly helpful. That's in awesome. every walk of life. That's awesome. Yeah. Now you said that you've been up <clears throat> and you've been down, and mm. it wasn't so great before um, Life Source. Like, what kept you going, and what are the things that you learned when it was down? You learn a lot about your yourself, your character, and your and your willing to. His wife was incredibly supportive even those during those times. And she said, this isn't forever. This is temporary. Mm-hmm. I don't even think she was my wife at the time. But she was very uh, just in my corner because it was like, it's just been so cyclical. Yeah. Like my, my days with CBS radio, before that it was, uh, I was at a clinical trial. I was heading up the advertising. for. Um, I was there for 12 years. And I kind of raised up the ranks, got promotions, did the whole corporate ladder kind of thing. Then I went to CBS Radio. Same thing happened. Became a manager pro- pretty quickly. I was amongst, um, you know, we'd have stars come in and do, like, you know, interviews on The Wave or Jack FM or K-Rock. We'd have bands come in. It was really cool. Um, and kind of raised the ranks there. After that, I went into my own business, mm-hmm. something I kind of dreamed of having my own business, which I do now. And that there was that's when things started to... No, no fault of anyone. It was a sign of the times. I think it was also, well, I think 08 was the big, the big crash. Yeah. So hard time to have your own business, and it was just rock bottom. And I was like, Jesus, it, it, I've hit, I've hit, you know, pretty harsh times. And um, after that, uh, just it was funny because it was out of working in the advertising field that I got connected, reconnected with LifeSource, because LifeSource was a client at CBS Radio. Ah, okay. And I got reconnected. We were pitching a TV deal, and they were like, no, no, we're not interested. And one of the owners goes, look, we're not going to do TV, but why don't you join us? I said, what? <laughs> why don't you just, why don't you come to work for LifeSource? And I'm like, I wasn't happy. Things weren't working out right. And I go, what do you got? And And my wife, who is... One thousand percent. She has to know how much she makes. She's a salary person. I don't want this. You know, this was a hundred percent commission job. And I went to her, and she goes, "Take it." And I said, "You've heard what I said, right? It's a hundred percent commission. There might be a base, like a a draw, with for the first three months to get me off my feet. But after that, I'm on my own." She says, "I feel good about it." And I tell people to this day, if she hadn't said that, I wouldn't be there. And that. That has literally changed my life. Wow. And, you know, I mean, it's, yeah. it's been... It's been good. Good. Yeah. It's been good. <laughs> so let me ask you this. Um, as an adult, uh, what financial baggage have you brought from childhood that you still might be holding on to? Like maybe a belief or a, a phrase or a mantra that might not fully serve you? Um, uh, save, but not in a... Not in a way like save for a rainy day, like don't spend, like hold on to your money. Mm-hmm. I think as a kid I was taught like hold on 
Don't don't spend it. And even if you see something you want, don't necessarily get it because it's better to have the money. Um, and even to the point of not investing. So it took me a while to get to leap to get that to that point where, you know, let's take a risk. Even though my father kind of did some of that, but I was always a little weary of like, you know, I should put it in the bank and never really. In my adult life, I'm like, I don't want to live like that anymore. I don't right. want to, if I see something I really want, I don't want to go, oh, I really, why suffer? If I want it, get it. You know, not frivolously. I'm not going to mm-hmm. just spend money at it like it's not, like it's growing on trees. But that's what it was like. Hold on to it. Don't spend it all. You know, be careful with it. Um, not saying to be reckless, but I think like now I'm, more, I'm investing more. Mm-hmm. And if there is something truly that I want, I'm like, I'm going to get it, you know. I don't get a whole lot, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't even buy clothes. I mean, right. I have to get forced to shop, so. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I yeah, spending money on clothes is overrated. Uh, I'm frugal. It's got to be on sale. I'm frugal, exactly. <laughs> what piece of advice do you give your son around money? Is there something that you tried to um, parlay to him? It's funny because we're talking a lot about that, and he has, a, in a very young age, talk about investment. He came to me and he's like, what stocks? What's good? What's an ETF? Like, he's hearing about all this stuff. And he wants to, I mean, he's a business major at USC, so he's already thinking in those terms. And he wants, by 35, he wants to drive a Ferrari. I'm like, ah, oh, these millennials. You got to love them. Oh, yeah. Got to love them. <laughs> <laughs> Rent know, it. Or he wants to retire <laughs> by 36. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, have a beautiful mansion, whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, look, I, I hope it happens. Yeah. Truly, I, I mean, I would love it. But... Um, I think we are, we talk now about, you know, he asked me questions and I feel like I have to learn and I want to be a resource for him. So I want to go out and learn about, you know, what's good. I wish I could give him that golden nugget, like drop this money on this stock. It's going to make you millions. You know, we all, I wish I could do that. But just knowing, um, Saving, but also investing. So we're right. talking a lot about investments and in, in whether it's mutual funds or stocks or things of like that. And we, we talk about what might be the next big thing and, mm-hmm. and so forth. So, you know, um, and using his, his degree moving forward, you know, I think, he's, I think he's probably done with school after USC, although he wants to maybe explore a graduate degree. But I think he wants to get out in the real world now for, for a little while. I think it's commendable <clears throat> that you actually want to be a resource. Mm-hmm. You know, my response would have been Google it. <laughs> Find out yourself. Yeah, yeah. And he I'm, does. <laughs> he does. I'm busy. Yeah. No, so yeah, I think that's yeah. awesome that you're like, yeah. yeah, I want to know that stuff too. Yeah. Um, what was the best piece of um, financial advice you ever got? Well, that's a good question. Um, in, in Invest even if you don't think you're ready for it. Even if you don't think you know enough, pay yourself first before you pay others. Okay. I think maybe that, that too. Okay. Yeah. And what's the least favorite thing you'd like to spend money on? <laughs> this, is a, this, is a, this is a wrong answer to answer on this room, right? <laughs> taxes! <laughs> oh, you don't like paying taxes? Oh my gosh, you're the first. I've never, I, I never heard that before. Never heard that before. Most yeah. people love to pay their taxes. They're always like, Bob, if you can make me pay an extra five, like count me in. It's Please. Karma points. Yeah. Karma points. That and, I don't know, maybe 
uh, car repair. Car repair. <laughs> I'm like, can it can it just last? Can it just last? <laughs> what kind of car do you drive, and why? I drive a Lexus now, a GS a GS350. <laughs> You know, again, I've gone through this metamorphosis in a couple of different levels in my life. One was cars. I used to drive, years ago, as a Toyota Corolla. And I'd go on sales calls, and i go, no, nah, you know what? I can't drive too nice a car because they're going to think I'm doing too well, and they're going to think I don't need their business. Right. That was my thinking. And then I got a little better at carrying this and that. And then recently, two people, the most influential people in my life, now that my parents are gone, is my wife and my son. And my, and my wife goes, if you drive up in a nice car, it's going to say you're successful. Right. It's not going to say you don't need their business. It's going to say you're doing so well. I mm-hmm. go, oh, i got to flip my thinking. And same thing with Daniel, my son. He goes, what? He goes, if you drove up in a nice car, I'd be like, whoa, that guy's, that, that guy's doing something right. And between those two, they like flip my head 180 and I go, Oh, and now I drive up to a house, and if somebody says, nice Lexus, I'm like, yeah, well, you know, I do pretty well. Life source, the system you need. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know. Well, that's, that's interesting you say that because I drove a Toyota Corolla, ah. uh, uh, but my favorite car was my pickup truck. Oh. And uh, when I worked for an accounting firm, they would say, could you stop driving a pickup truck? You're sort of embarrassing us. I'm like, well, I am a hick from Tennessee. And uh, they're like, yeah, but you live in L.A. Please stop it. Right. And but so I thought, well, but I'm so I'm frugal. People will appreciate that I'm frugal and apparently not, not in L.A. And somebody said the same thing to me. If you were to drive a nice car, people would actually treat you differently um, and actually think, you know, oh, he's successful, which I didn't believe. So I went around to all my wealthier clients and said, hey, would it make a difference if I drove a Corolla or a Mercedes? Every single client said, if I thought you drove a Corolla, you would not be my accountant. Really? And there I went, we go. Oh, I, I drive a Mercedes. So I ended up getting a Mercedes, and it was amazing how people treated me. My biggest thing was I didn't want a Mercedes because I didn't want to tip the extra two bucks they expected. <laughs> oh, this guy drives a Mercedes. He drives a Mercedes. Give this me five. Is, he, he can afford it. So like yeah. that was my thinking, Yeah. Uh, yeah. sadly. But um, it, so it really does for a lot of people. Uh, what you drive says... It's true. Yeah. It's true. Even if you don't... I used to be of the mindset, maybe it was my New York upbringing when I didn't even have a car and I used to use mass transit because mm-hmm. that's what... You got a car, it's a pain in the ass because there's no parking. There's, right. the, if there is, it's $20 every two seconds. You know, it's like, it's, it's stupid. Out here, it is... It is you know, I, I think to myself, if I'm looking for a house and my realtor pulls up and it's, you know... I don't know, just not a, or if he's, he or she drives up in a nice car. Oh, they know what they're doing. It's immediate, even if it's subconscious. So I had to really change. Now I'm on the other way. Plus, I spend so much time in my car. I want something right. comfortable yeah, and exactly. something reliable. So, you know, it's, it's Did a, you ever, being in LA, um, I know this is true for some of my clients, not all my clients, um, but a lot of my clients <laughs> can't really afford that nice car. And they can't really afford the the rent or the house that they're in, but they're presenting in a way of, let me present how successful I am. Mm -hmm. And inside, they're like, holy crap, If I hope I can make the mortgage this week, or I hope they don't repossess my car. I haven't paid in four months. (laughs) Um, Did you ever get caught up in the L.A., I need to present a certain way? I 
I didn't for a long, long time. And I think it was probably my New York upbringing. I'm like, I don't give a crap what people think about me. Yeah. You know? But living in L.A. since 91 now, I'm kind of giving a crap. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'm like, yeah. And then, and then everybody else has to, you know, I hope I'll never get to that point where, oh, they have a pool. I have to have an Olympic-sized pool. And then I have to yeah. have the tennis courts. And I have to, yeah. I, I hope I never get to that point. But, yeah, a little bit, you know, but not, not to the point where it's like, um, I'll tell you one thing. The only uh, none of this really bothers me. There's one thing that bothers me. My wife knows this. If I see somebody I know or I've worked with, and they got a lead on a series or a lead in a movie, I'm like, why him? <laughs> he sucked. He sucked in acting class or when I went to school. He, why him? Yeah. You know, that's the only thing. Other than that, I really don't care. You know, right. it doesn't matter to me. But I do like, li- like to live with. At least a decent life, yeah, a good life. Cars has, you know, I'll never probably go under where I am right now. It'll be that or better. Yeah, no, it's well. I mean, I think growing up in the South, growing up in a small town, for me, like that wasn't something you worried about because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> right, we're all from a small town. We we, we don't care. We're all off the radar for anybody. <laughs> um, but I, you know, once the car thing sort of was made so explicitly clear to me that people judged um i remember going to a couple before i when i i had a rough patch because i was like oh i'll just do stand-up comedy it'll pay all the bills and uh you know who needs the accounting part yeah yeah uh yeah that (laughs) that worked out well (laughs) uh, okay let's do some tax returns and uh but so it got really tight i had this really crappy mazda and i would literally um park down the street so nobody would see my crappy car because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I was so embarrassed mm-hmm. um, because yep. I was a CPA and all this stuff. But I'm like, I'm a CPA, but like trying to make money doing stand up. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I, so I would I would park a few blocks away and just go, oh, I walked. Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. I just walked over here. I yeah, like yeah. walking. I like taking a stand. Yeah. I'm just being healthy. Yeah. I'm being, being healthy. Yeah. 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 Know, it's true. I've done that. Yeah. I, I, I've done that when I had the older car. I yeah. parked around the corner. Where's your car? Oh, it's down there. I just like to, you know, walk walk to my appointments. So, if you had a piece of advice, a financial piece of advice for a person uh, just graduated high school, college, getting ready to go off and be an actor, do voiceover, follow their passion, uh, what would you say to them? Follow your passion. Follow your dream. Work hard at it. Uh, but yeah, of course. You may not work consistently to pay your bills right away, so you would have to find something, but find something else that you like mm-hmm. and in the hours, but don't let that be the dominant force and get involved in um, in network and get involved in um, groups that can help you. Obviously, if it's an actor, I'm going to say take an acting class. They, they probably already did. Train so you can get get some strong footing underneath you and you also meet people. Um, uh, take a, take classes, network, get get an agent. You know, start to, you know the whole process, uh, and get something. If you just do that and you have no without a net, then you know sometimes you get too nervous and then you might leave too soon. It's okay to have something else so you can you can still continue your passion. Get your living arrangement set up. Get your apartment or your uh, whatever. Get your vehicle if it's here. Get your job so you don't feel like you're, you know, suspended in air. 
You know, just kind of live so you don't, and then you don't look desperate when you go into an audition. That's the last. They smell desperation. So <laughs> they do. <laughs> you know, you're like a dog in heat, and they're like, "I don't want that." Yeah, not not, not today. <laughs> Off not my today. leg, please. Yeah, not, yeah. another <laughs> you time. Know, you got to come in like, yeah, you know. Yeah. If I get it, I, you know. and I think that's why I booked Mad Men years ago because I was in, I was interviewing for a job at ESPN Radio, which is another passion of mine is sports, and I was so focused on ESPN, and my agent calls and says, "You got an audition for Mad Men." I'm like, "What time?" He goes, 4.30. I'm like, "Shit, I got the interview at ESPN at 3.30. Normally, I'd be like, holy crap, and it was right. a nice role, but it was more like a pain in the ass. The, I'm like, right. the only reason I went is because ESPN was by Staples Center, and it was down on B- Bixel, uh, was okay. the studio that we were shooting. Uh, yeah. So it was both downtown. I went, okay, I'll go. And I really like, it was just like, I'll go because you're sending me. Right. Um, that's the only reason. I, and I showed you. up, and Matt Weiner, the executive producer, at that time, I didn't even know who the hell that was, the creator. It was like a role of people. It was before tapes. It was like, and I went in there, and I didn't really. I was like, "Are we done?" Because I, I, Cause I, really, I, because the guy from ESPN might be calling. <laughs> <laughs> and an hour later, they're like, "You booked Mad Men." I'm like, "Really?" But the, the ESPN guy call, you know. <laughs> and I, it was like, you know, yeah, it was just surreal. So yeah, I, I think, think that's true. I know. think that's true. Yeah. And if there were one thing from where you are at this point in your life, if there were one thing financially that you could hone or do a little bit better or do differently what would it be well i wish i i wish i could have uh multiple properties i think more involved in real estate i think if i really had to choose something that's my next financial goal is to try and get involved in real estate more cool yeah so we're coming to the end of our time here but what i'm what i'm hearing is like sort of in the advice you were giving to a young person is like get your living situation set up Mm -hmm. like follow your passion don't let it go but um uh like really get yourself set up like even if there's a small support net net you know a a, a net to catch you a safety net right um like that's okay you don't have to apologize you don't have to yeah some people go i have no plan b but it's okay if you're "Eh, i've got a little bit of a safety net so i don't fall so hard right um and that um, the other thing I really heard was that, uh, like, when you get into a rough patch, uh, it's just temporary. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. it will eventually move behind you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And that you can move forward. Yeah. The mind's a powerful thing. And if you let yeah. it, if you let the negativity, it's just a snowball. So you got to just go. That's just, I always use sports analogies. Everybody goes through a slump, but they get out. The great ones get out of it somehow. And the rest get traded. And the <laughs> And now we have no sports, so everybody's everybody you, sucks. Or you'll play the minor leagues, but uh, <laughs> yeah, community yeah, theater. Yeah. Uh, no. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm sorry, community theater. Um, uh, where can people find you on social media? I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, IMDb. I'm really easy to find. Put my name, Roger Rignac, in Google, and I got a whole ton of stuff. I'm on all of them. So, so if you need a voiceover, you need an actor, or you need some filtered water. Uh, <laughs> I'm your guy. Give him a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, don't forget to share the love. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Search for Money You Should Ask, all one word. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, um, or your favorite podcast player. Until next time, thanks. And Roger, thank you. Thank you, Bob. Really appreciate it.